Hey there, Kendall with the All People's Equipping Podcast. Did you know that you can increase in faith? The purpose of this podcast today is to give you a little sneak preview into a message we actually did at All People South Bay, our church in Chula Vista, California, another All People's Church here in the United States. I had the chance to speak at that congregation recently on increasing in faith. I think you'll find the principles behind this message stirring for you and practical as you try to grow in your own faith and believe God to work and move as you listen to him for fresh promises in your life. Hope you're doing great in this season. Lots to come on the All People's Equipping Cop podcast soon. And here's my message on increasing in faith. It's interesting as you journey in faith, um, I was thinking about the story I wanted to share tonight to start my message, and it actually happened 15 years ago, a couple weeks. Um, a couple weeks uh, ago, 15 years uh, prior, I was with my wife in India, and it was before we had any kids, and we were on an outreach for a church planting school we were going to go to before uh, all people's, you know, before we'd moved out to San Diego, all of our stuff was in a storage unit, and we were on this outreach. And so it was us and about nine other people, and we went to India for six weeks. Okay, so that was long enough to, to get sick several times and uh, experience some culture shock. And, uh, you know, also it was long enough to explore different parts of the region. So we really didn't know anyone when we came. So it was all kind of this faith journey. And we connected with different leaders and uh, different Christian leaders. We'd learn about their ministries. And so we connected with this ministry that was a little out of the town we were, uh, we were staying at. So we go for this day trip to this ministry, and, you know, it's easy when you're on a trip like this to kind of come in and see what you can do uh, to help, what you can do to bless, but I immediately realized, no, there's actually a lesson for me here, and I'm going to tell you that lesson that I received. So we visit this group of Christians who are living in a mountain area, and they're living there under great persecution. They had a little kind of village that they'd built. Uh, there was a church building. It was actually the biggest building in the village. It was about this size. And then there was like a lot of little huts, kind of a makeshift school. Several families would live together in these little buildings and just kind of these small collections of, of residences. They're obviously very poor, but very passionate about their faith. And so we got to know them. And so we attended a church service, which was very long, and uh, ate some food and, you know, just kind of we're going through the cultural experience. And they divided us later that evening into small groups to get to know one another. And so we were, at, we were in a small group, and we were to share our testimonies of how we came to know Christ, of how we came to know God, and how God had worked in our life. And so, you know, for me, I, I was leading this outreach. Uh, I was very passionate about my faith. I felt like, you know, I had a pretty good testimony, you know, like God had done something in my life. And so I was excited to share, and they asked me to go first, and you know, I was seriously going for Jesus, and so I'd spent a lot of time investing in my spiritual journey. So I share my testimony, and, you know, they all respectfully kind of look at me and smile and say amen. And then the, the leader of this community says, now we're going to go around the circle, and everyone else is going to share their testimonies. I'm like, great. This will be a great time of learning and sharing. I can, you know, hear their testimonies. And I immediately realized I was in a little bit over my head. So the, the first testimony um, was this. That we go to this first lady. Um, I, can't, I don't know how old she was, but she was a, a single lady, kind of a widow with, with kids. She said this, I was bitten by a poisonous snake, and the snake died. She didn't die. The snake died. 
I was healed and I survived. So I decided to give my life to Jesus. The next person shared about how the government had come to take away her home three times to persecute her for her faith. And on three different occasions, the police officer that had come had been bitten by a snake, and she had to pray for him so he would be healed. And then he got healed, he came to Christ, and so she eventually decided to come to Christ too. The next person said, I was also bitten by a snake, and I died. (laughs) Then someone prayed for me, and I came back to life. (laughs) So I decided to follow Jesus. And just kind of working our way around the circle. And then we get to the leader of the group who shares his testimony. I was like, wow, this is going to be good. And he shares his testimony. He says, well, I was leading a terrorist cell. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I was responsible for bombing the homes of Christians in my region. And he says, my, I had plans actually to take my life. Um, so I went, I went and purchased poison. And I had it in my pocket. And I was going to take my life that, that evening. My mother could tell something was wrong with me. She was a Christian. She invited me to attend her church. I chose to attend her church that morning to prepare to meet God because I had poison in my pocket to take my, take my own life right after church. At the church service, a man pointed to me from the stage and called me forward. And all I know is that I fell on my face and I gave my life to God. So I thought I should follow him by spreading the message of the gospel the rest of my life. He, by the way, overseed hundreds of house churches in the surrounding villages. And uh, every time he would leave with his friend in the one car they shared between several families, they would pray and surrender their lives to God, not knowing if they would come back. This was the first time in my life I'd met people who had a Christian experience way beyond me. (laughs) Their, Their faith was greater than mine. And it was very convicting. They were very authentic. They weren't perfect, but they had great faith. And I realized in my own faith how much I had to grow. And tonight I want to speak to you from the subject increasing in faith. Increasing in faith because I believe God actually wants to grow your faith. People's lives are changed and churches grow and communities are transformed by corporate faith. By faith that rests in groups. Remember the story from Jesus' life where he went to a village And there was one village he couldn't do many miracles in because of their faith. So faith can actually be something that dwells in a community and uplifts everybody. And so that's my heart tonight is to not only increase your personal faith, but to increase the level of faith in this church and in this community. So just some biblical thoughts on faith as we dive in. First of all, did you know the Bible actually talks about measures of faith? There are different measures of faith in the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, according to the measure of faith given to you. Your phone has a battery signal on it. And I I don't know your battery signal, and I don't know your measure of faith, but, but God does. And the measure of faith in your heart and in your life, it can actually go up and down. And it can actually get drained. And it can actually need to get recharged. But we have to use the faith we have. And so we all have a measure of faith. The Bible actually talks about different kinds of faith. I I just spent some time writing this out. These are all the different kinds of faith that are described in the New Testament. So James warns people not to have wavering faith. James chapter 1, maybe you've had that in your life before. You've had faith, but you're wavering. You're kind of like, 
Should I ask that girl out or not? I don't know. Is God leading me? I'm, I'm wavering. Can't quite decide to take that job. Can't quite decide if God is leading you. You're wavering. There's inactive faith. The Bible warns us against having inactive faith. The Bible actually says faith without works, faith without action is dead. And so we're warned to not have inactive faith. Weak faith. The book of Romans, Romans chapter 4 and later in 1 Corinthians, Paul actually talks about people with weak faith. You might have some faith, but like your faith feels weak. Your battery is not very charged, right? And that can happen due to disappointment, right? That can happen due to things in life. There's no condemnation about your level of faith. I'm just pointing out to you this important truth in the Bible that we can have different levels of faith at different times. We can have little faith, unrooted faith. Jesus talked about people whose faith was unrooted in Luke chapter 8. So you have some faith, but it's not mature. It's not grounded. Maybe you've been through a season like that in your life, looking back. Common faith. Titus chapter 1 talks about the common faith shared by all Christians, that we all have a faith in common, right? Faith in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, and then there's some positive mentions of faith in the New Testament. Timothy is encouraged by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 for his genuine faith. Perhaps you can know someone that has genuine faith. Man, I think chapter 2 encourages us to have active faith, right? It's not just a belief system. It's not just a song. It's not just a devotional. Even though I wrote a devotional, it's about putting your faith into action. So we're encouraged to have active faith. And then book of Romans says, just like you can have weak faith, in Romans 4.20, it says you can have strong faith. Maybe you've, maybe you've felt that before. You left a, a commission conference or a life group or a church service, and you're like, okay, where are those demons? You felt like you had strong faith, and it left you about five minutes later. But it was there. Um, unwavering faith. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about unwavering faith in the midst of trials. Maybe you've had that in life before. You've been through a long trial. And for some reason, you just had a peace, you had a security, you had a strength. That was God putting unwavering faith in you, a faith that doesn't move. And great faith were commanded, actually, and Jesus encouraged people that he interacted with and said, you have great faith. I want to be like that. I want to have great faith. Amen? Our, our key passage is going to be Luke chapter 17. You can turn there. With me, Luke 17, verse 5. Just look at it in your, your own Bible, your own translation. I'm going to be looking at it in the New Living Translation. This is such a key passage because the disciples or the early apostles, they, they came to Jesus and they asked this question. They said, Jesus, show us how to increase our faith. So this is the very question we're asking tonight. The disciples asked this question and Jesus answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. A very puzzling answer, right? Well, let's, let's break this down. Because there's a secret to increasing in faith in this answer. There's a secret to increasing in faith. I want you to look at this question the disciples asked Jesus. Show us how to increase our faith. When you think about it, there's some different ways that Jesus could have answered this question. So the first thing is he could have not answered it. He could have just not answered their question. There were actually several times where Jesus' disciples asked him a question, and he would just not even answer it. He'd talk about something else. This is actually really important 
because this is Jesus affirming the importance of this question. This is what it says in Romans eleven six. Oh, Hebrews eleven six. excuse me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. So you know what I think Jesus thought when his disciples asked him that question? How do we increase in faith? I think he thought, that's a good question. Right? Because these, these young men, these guys that I'm investing in, my disciples, you can just leave that verse up because I'm gonna kind of talk about it for a while. They, they wanna please me. They wanna please the Father. This is good. This is a sign of growth. So if you've ever been in that place where you've actually wanted more faith, that's okay. That's a good thing. That's actually God stirring up your heart. And so many times we, we think too little of ourselves. So we think, well, I, I could never be like that. I'm, I'm not a pastor or I didn't go to a ministry school or I don't have a Bible degree or whatever. And so we, God puts a hunger in our hearts, but we automatically discount ourselves. No, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I think God wants you to please him, amen? There's a little formula there. And so he wants to give you great faith. So he could have not answered the question at all, but he did. Here's another thing Jesus could have done, which he did all the time. He could have rebuked his disciples. <laughs> Remember, there was another time when Jesus, his disciples asked him a question. They're like, hey, um, in heaven, who can sit at your right hand? Or the You know, they're kind of like kind of jockeying for position, and he rebukes them. So Jesus was fine rebuking his disciples, right? He was actually really good at it. And so he could have rebuked his disciples, but he didn't. He could have said, disciples, that is a dumb question. He could have looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. But he didn't, right? And so there was something about this question that Jesus knew was very important. And I think we see this in another scripture, Matthew 9, verse 29. Jesus was teaching on faith with his disciples in the context of a healing. And he said this, according to your faith, it will be done to you. People don't like that scripture. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done to you. So actually, the measure of faith that you have affects the outcomes that you see in life. That's why Jesus didn't rebuke his disciples for asking the question. He's like, oh, this is, this is a really important principle for these guys to understand, for them to see some results. So he, he didn't ignore the question. He didn't rebuke his disciples. Here's another thing he could have done. He could have given them a five-point plan. He could have said, you want to know how to increase in faith? This is exactly how to increase in faith. Step one, walk down this road. Step two, show yourself to the priest. Step three, there's a donkey tied up by this tree. Grab the donkey. He could have given them a whole thing to do. But classic Jesus, he starts talking about a tree. You know, oh, here's a mustard seed, and here's a tree, and by the way, there's an ocean. Like, so he answers with a metaphor. And so there's a secret here in this process because he actually didn't want to give us a five-step plan to grow in faith. Why? Because then it wouldn't require faith. It would be a formula. But faith comes from relationship with the Father. And so he used a metaphor that is the secret to increasing in faith. And that is the metaphor of a seed. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, 
you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. I'll put this in, in terms for this week. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you, Pablo, could go out to your yards and say, weeds, be uprooted, uprooted and move into the sea, right? You wouldn't even have to mow your lawn. Okay, so that's, the, that's the kind of what he's saying here. He's saying you could just make things happen in the natural world with the very sound of your voice. Okay, and there's three secrets here that we see in this passage that gives us the secrets to increasing in faith. And I come to you today not only as a, uh, a student of this, but also a practitioner. These are things that I've done in my life. And some of you guys are okay, like faith, like this, the whole idea of this, it seems very metaphysical. You wanna understand how it works. So just let me help you before we move into this portion. It's just like turning on the lights. Here's what I know about that light switch. If I go flip that light switch off, the lights are gonna turn off. Do I need to understand how electricity works to do that? Do I need to be an electrical engineer? No, I can just go flip the light switch. What I'm trying to teach you to do tonight is how to flip the light switch. Of course, there is a huge doctrinal understanding of faith, right? There is a huge, deep well of theology and scripture that we could get into. But tonight, I want to teach you how to make your faith active, how to go flip on the light switch. And then let's spend the rest of our life studying how the currents work and how everything else happens. But let's start seeing some results in our life as we increase in faith. So here's the first thing we see. Jesus talks about a seed. Your faith, the first key is to sow. Say sow. Seed must be sown. Like a seed that's not put in the ground is just potential, right? Like two years ago, my mom mailed me some Texas wildflowers in the mail. They're still sitting in a drawer somewhere. If you were to come to me and say, how are your wildflowers doing? I would say, I don't have any wildflowers because I haven't planted the seed. So a seed of faith must be sown to grow. So unless faith is acted on, it's only hope. Hope is good. Hope is emotionally uplifting. Hope encourages us. Hope provides positivity. Hope brings encouragement. But if you never act on that hope, you're just gonna need more encouragement. You're just gonna need more positivity. Your faith isn't going to grow. So seeds must be sown in order to grow. So for a promise from God to come into fulfillment in your life, you're going to have to do something. Like just think about all the different miracles that Jesus did. And he, he would interact with people. These people would be deaf, they'd be blind. I mean, they'd be in great need. They'd you know, be paralyzed for 38 years. And he would give them something to do. He would say, well, hey, wash yourself in this pond or go, go show yourself to the priest or pick up your mat and walk. Or he would do something. He'd poke them in the eye with his spit. There's all kinds of weird things going on as he was trying to activate their faith and encourage them to make faith active. Think, think about Moses, right? God calls him to this beyond devotional. It's all about Exodus. God calls him to lead the people of Israel. What's he say? What's in your hand? That's the question that God asked Moses. And what does Moses have to do in order to say yes to the call of God? He's got to throw down that staff and then pick it up. So God will use what's in your life. He will use what's in your hand to increase your faith. So here's my challenge to you, just as like an everyday Christian, like whether you ever preach a sermon from this stage or not, just like 
we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Always find something to respond to. Whether it's at church, whether it's at life group, whether it's in a discipleship time, whatever, always find something to respond to because that's how you grow in your faith. So for me, like, I sit through a lot of sermons, led conferences. And so in those times, I'm always challenged, like, am I going to be a professional Christian that's just good at running events, or am I going to find something to respond to? A couple weeks ago, today I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to respond to this message? How am I going to give someone a word from God? When's it going to happen? I don't know. And so we're actually meeting the Lairs down for dinner in in Chula Vista over uh, at a sandwich place. And so I'm pulling up to the sandwich place, and I'm like, this is it. I can, give, I can give this lady at the sandwich place a word from God. So I'm like, I'll just give it a shot. And so I said, okay, now, Lord, who, who would you like me to, to minister to at the sandwich place? And um, he said immediately, it just this came into my heart. It's going to be a 20-year-old woman. She's going to be a Latina, and there's something going on with her boyfriend. And so I just wrote it down on my phone, my notes app, no special app. You know, we ordered and got through the line, and, and then, you know, it, it was uh, kind of time to pay. And so I was talking to this lady, and I said, hey, can I just show you something on my phone <laughs> uh, before I check out? And she was a little weirded out, you know, like you would be. And then I showed her. It was all blown up big so she could read it. And she, she said, what's this? I was like, well, God was actually speaking to me about coming here tonight, that I was going to meet someone that's 20 years old, a Latina, and that he had a word for, for her about her relationship. And she was, well, I'm 20 years old. She was obviously Mexican. And her, she and her boyfriend had just been in a car accident. There's all these kinds of things going on, or a bike accident, or some kind of accident. Anyway, the Lord ministered to her, and that grew my faith. So today when I was getting my hair cut, I was thinking about, okay, I was thinking about the lady at Borden Brew. Okay, now I can stretch out my faith again. Does that make sense? So that's how you grow your faith. You keep your faith active. We keep our faith active. We got to sow into our faith. The Bible warns us about not doing that. It said, faith without works is dead. One of the worst things you can do is be a Christian that talks about the Christian life and not doing it. Grow in faith by sowing your seed. The same thing with finances. Let me tell you something. If you have a need, sow a seed. I've seen this happen in my life so many times. Like, we're believing for a down payment on a house. Okay, well, there's an earthquake in Haiti where people are building houses. Let's give some money to that. Or, you know, we're believing for a car. Well, our rundown car is not going to work much longer anyway. Who can we give it to? If, if you have a need, sow a seed and watch God move in your life. Okay, so we've got to sow our faith. We've got to keep it active. Here's the next thing. Speak. We've got to speak out our faith. Say speak. Okay, so this parable that Jesus says, uh, just to go back to it, um, it's all about speaking. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could to this mulberry tree. May you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This parable is about speech. So let's look at at say here. Our words purify and bring life to the seed of faith inside of us. Man, if Christians could just get a hold of their words, cities would be changed. I promise you. Like, we have no idea the power of our words. One of my side hobbies, because I'm weird, is studying quantum physics. And there's this whole thing in quantum physics about sound. Did you know that, that when you make a sound, it actually never leaves the room? 
that you make it in. It actually gets the, the, the vibration gets absorbed by the carbon and the other material in the other matter in that room. So our speech even has, uh, there's something in the physical world that our speech influences, that sound influences. I mean, I think that's why we walk into a room like this where people have been worshiping God and it's been dedicated to God and we can feel that. It feels sacred, it feels important, it feels, it feels, it feels special to us because our voice and our speech matters. Proverbs says this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so our speech is really, really important. Okay, faith as a mustard seed. The mustard seed is very small, and yet Jesus says faith the size of that can uproot a mustard seed, which roots go very deep. You might have some deeply rooted problems in your life. Speak to them. You might have some deeply rooted problems in your life. Speak to them. See it all over the Bible. Zechariah, say grace, grace, right, to the mountains that are in front of you. Jesus talks about moving mountains with speech. Speech is so, so important. Faith isn't only an action. Faith is also verbal. This is how people come to Christ. They make a profession of faith. So why would we think after that, our speech doesn't matter? If anything, it matters more because it's anointed by the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. So what we speak purifies or contaminates our seed of faith. It's not enough to go to a great church. It's not enough to listen to great sermons. It's not enough to, you know, be affiliated with the best minister or, you know, oh yeah, I heard that or I see that guy or whatever. What you say actually determines the course of your life. A lot more than the rooms that you listen to. James says this, the tongue is like a rudder. So it points the direction of our life. This is like the light switch. I don't know how it works. I just know that it works. So speak it out. Speak it out. Faith is a seed. So whatever you plant with your words will grow in your life. Whatever you plant with your words will grow in your life. This week, you're going to drive around San Diego. And the nice green we've been enjoying the last couple weeks is going to be weeds in your neighbor's yard because your yard's gonna be nice and clean, right? But your neighbor's yard. And that's because there were seeds, right? There were seeds that, that rain came and things grew up, right? That had yet to be seen. Just, just be a person that speaks life about the people that you know. That speaks life about the possessions that you have. A couple years ago, my, my wife and I, we had a lot of just personal shame and frustration because we felt disorganized. And so each night we would spend some time organizing our home and doing some different things. And God gave us a declaration to say, rather than we're so disorganized, we're so behind. You know what the phrase was? We are getting our house in order. You know what that, that, that did? That provided energy. That provided energy to keep us going. Okay, so speak life. You can say to this mulberry tree, the words say, this is so important, the words say in that scripture is not a one-time incident. It is in the imperfect tense in the original Greek, which implies a continuous action. So keep declaring. Keep declaring. I don't know why it's going to happen the 20th time and not the 19th time. I don't need to know how the light switch works. God has just commanded us to keep declaring. Amen? 
So we gotta make our faith active. We gotta respond when God prompts our heart, when we feel that sense of stirring, when we feel that sense. We've gotta speak out faith regarding our life, regarding our children, regarding our city. How many of you are speaking out faith about California right now? None of you, okay? Because I, I connect with a lot of you on social media. Okay, so, but we gotta speak out faith about the city that God has brought us to, about the state that we live in. That doesn't mean we don't also speak up for truth, right? But we gotta have faith in what we're saying, what we're believing about where things are going. Here's the final thing. So we're gonna sow, we're gonna speak. We have to surrender. Why do we need to surrender? Because Jesus, the Bible says, is the author and perfecter of our faith. One of the the dangers of faith teachings is it can reduce faith to a formula. You know, if I say this, I get this. That's not what I'm saying, right? What I am saying is your faith is a seed. And this is what Jesus said about seeds. John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know what I've seen in my life? Bring the biggest increases in faith. Bring the biggest miracles bring the biggest breakthroughs for myself or other people when I was willing to surrender. When I was willing to surrender. God's not looking for perfect faith. I wrote down some, some people in the Bible that had imperfect faith. Sarah laughed when she received a promise about having a child. Gideon hid when an angel was visiting him. Lord, just send me an angel. Then you hide, okay? Jonah fled from his calling. Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, and Elizabeth were all totally perplexed by the children the Lord gave them. Jesus surrendered so he could impart his faith to you. How do you get a gift of faith in your life? How do you increase in faith? It comes through surrender. It comes through surrender. I was... um. Maybe you've had this experience like God's given you a great promise or you've been to a church service and you got really jazzed up about whatever the speaker was talking about or you got excited about something that God was doing in your life and um, you ended up like the San Francisco 49ers. You couldn't get it all the way to the touchdown. You ended on like the 50-yard line. That's going to happen with them and the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow. I'm speaking out in faith. Okay, so you, could, you couldn't complete it. Do you know what the missing element was? Surrender. See, God, God spoke to me a couple uh, months ago. I, I, had a, I had a health issue. I had a leg problem. And so part of the issue with that is I had to go out and walk my dog every night for circulation, which I should have been doing anyway. But anyway, it forced me to do that. But rather than listening to a podcast or music or whatever, God was stirring my heart during this time and challenging me to pray. And I started having visions during this time. And one thing the Lord showed me was one night I was walking, he showed me, showed me a knife. And I don't know if you've ever sharpened a knife, but when you sharpen a knife, there's a stone that you sharpen a knife on. It's a wet stone. And he showed me the knife, and on the knife was written the words, the word of God. And he went to sharpen it on the stone. And this is what God told me. The wet stone of surrender is what causes the promises of my word to move into reality. Surrender is the thing that sharpens us. Surrender is the thing that prepares us. 
Surrender is the thing that purifies us and allows us to carry the Lord's power in our life so he can move through us in greater faith. Maybe, maybe you've been uh, in a season where you felt um, apathetic in your faith. Tonight is a night I want you to start asking for a gift of faith. I just want you to say, God, give me a gift of faith. Like, I don't want to stay at my current level of faith. I actually want to grow in faith because faith is pleasing to you. Maybe you've been in a season where you don't feel like your prayers are working. You know, James says the prayer of faith makes the sick person well. Will you ask God to infuse your prayers with faith? You say, God, just tell God. Like, he already knows your prayers aren't working. So, you know, hey, like my prayer, I don't feel like my prayers are working. Will you put faith, just ask God to help you and give you a greater gift of faith. Maybe you've been in a season where God's given you a promise and you're not seeing it come to pass. Tonight is your night to surrender. 